All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBana. And I am David Uyoa. And we are here today to finish up the second part of our Ari Aster double feature, because we figured why not, right? We watched Hereditary, and uh, so now we're going to see the other side of that coin, and we did Midsommar, Midsummer. I guess you can kind of go either way with it. I, I mean, either works. Right, it seems um, to just be like the Swedish spelling of Midsummer. Um, well, I, I think it's weird, because the people with, like the characters within the movie pronounce it as midsummer right but if you listen to ari aster give interviews he says midsummer so i've been pronouncing it midsummer me too me too um it, it sounds a little pretentious to me yes right yeah like um the, when i when i told my wife we were watching it she was like i think you mean midsummer and i was like ah, that's how it's spelled sure midsummer <laughs> yeah um I, I don't know. I, I'm never going to correct anyone. Uh, I will always accept when they correct me. And, and that's, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's one of those ones that's you know, not worth arguing about, I suppose. But so we, we, we did, if you, if you did not get a chance to listen, we watched hereditary last week, highly recommend you go back and listen to that when we had a lot of fun oh, yeah. um, going over hereditary last week. And that was Ari Aster's first film. So what we have here is Midsommar. His, to me that that, yes. that is a first film. <laughs> and this is his second film. And with these two films, it's I'm I stand comfortably uh, calling him one of the best guys going right now um, oh, in movies. Yes, absolutely. I mean, with, with, with only two under his belt. So before we get, you know, too much into, you know, just breakdowns of the movie and everything that we do, what do you think about the movie kind of overall? Take us through, you know, how you felt about watching the movie, Dave. So kind of similarly to Hereditary, I I was left um, perplexed uh, upon Good first word. watching this. I um, I knew that I enjoyed it. Right. I, I did not necessarily understand all the reasons why I enjoyed it. Uh, I knew that there were many levels to the movie and that I was going to enjoy thinking about this movie. Uh, right. Be because I had... Uh, about maybe just a week or two before seeing Hereditary. Uh, I was about a year late to Hereditary. And and so I knew, because in, in that week, all I had thought about was Hereditary and, and done so much research and all this stuff. So I, I knew going into this, um, as, as this movie was starting and, and it was, you know, somewhat cryptic and, and I knew that there were things that I was missing right. on that first viewing. I was like, okay, I got to watch this movie again. I'm going to have to read up on the Horga and, and on all this stuff. And, and so the first time I saw this, I was, I was confused, but it was a feast for the eyes. I mean, yes. uh, and, and some of these scenes are, um, are really, 
really suspenseful. Yes. And uh, some of them are absolutely horrifying in ways that Hereditary is not. I think in some ways this is this is even more brutal than Hereditary. Yes. Uh, although Hereditary has this sense of dread that um, that kind of undercuts everything. That sense of dread is here, but because the the visuals are so beautiful the whole time, it almost makes you forget that yeah. th- that danger is lurking around every corner, right? And um, and so I, I once once I've seen I've seen the movie now three times, uh, once the theatrical cut, immediately after, like the next day, I watched the director's cut. And uh, and then I watched the director's cut again for for this time. So um, upon watching it now a third time, I I know that there's still lots of things that I'm missing, but I I, I feel fairly confident that I'm picking up on a lot of what Ari Aster intended for us to pick up on. And you know, reading interviews, watching interviews with him. I mean, the guy's fucking brilliant. Yes. Um, you know, he he is. Uh, I feel comfortable saying he's a genius. You know, just a, a a bona fide uh, film genius, and um, I I loved it. I love this movie. What 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 about you, Daniel? I uh, so this was my first time seeing it. Um, I was so I, we we learned last night that um, the Apple TV app does not function as well as an actual Apple TV or Apple device. Um, so while I was able to watch this, I was not able to watch the director's cut as it is an iTunes exclusive, and I've got a Roku TV and an Android phone, so. I was kind of SOL on that one. But uh, so I went back and I, I found a couple of the little scenes um, on YouTube and I read a lot about, um, you know, just kind of fill in the blanks with that stuff. Um, so that being said, this is my first time seeing it. And uh, man, it was it was weird. It was weird. Like uh, I yeah. didn't like I thought I knew what to expect coming a week off of Hereditary. And I was like, all right. So, you know, and then this movie started. And at first, at first, you're like, okay, yeah, family, <laughs> some death. Everything's dark. You're, you're there, right? You're like, okay, yeah, this is, I get it. This is his MO. And then all of a sudden you have what is a very, very different movie mm-hmm. uh, from Hereditary. Absolutely. And uh, whereas Hereditary was, was like you said, dread and just just terrifying at times. This movie was suspenseful because I, I, honest to God, just never knew what to expect was coming next. Like, I couldn't even begin to fathom what I thought would happen next. And in the moments that I did kind of put together what was going to happen next, it happened, like, immediately. Like, I, I figured right. it out at the exact moment that, like, the characters did. You know, there, there, was, no, there was no sitting down and road mapping this and, like, okay, here goes that, here goes this. Uh, it was, I mean, it kept me guessing until the very very end i liked it a lot um one thing that was that was super interesting about this movie versus hereditary is how bright this damn movie is yeah uh, i mean the, the whole like after that first scene with danny's parents and sister i mean basically everything happens in daylight and even when mm-hmm. it's the couple of scenes that aren't in daylight um including the one from the director's cut with the river because oh, of man that i i I hate that they cut that yes. from from the theatrical. Um, but like even the stuff that happens at night, like with this mythos that they've built of the midnight sun in this area, there's still a like a like a golden hour, like evening glow 
to mm-hmm. everything. It's not like hereditary where you never know what you, there are times when you just genuinely don't know what you're looking at because you're just staring into pitch black. Mm-hmm. You're never given that you're, you're everything is put very in your face. And uh, so, so that was a really fascinating turn of events. There was, there was shocking brutality in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, he really, uh, he really upped the, uh, the old lady boob quotient um, on this one. <laughs> Uh, he was like, he's like, yeah, you saw hereditary, right? There were like one, one topless old lady. I'm, I'm gonna give you like four, and then like <laughs> seven the middle aged ones, and we're gonna you go look at them all, all yeah. of them at once. <laughs> um, it was, I, it was just, but I mean, what, what, what was shocking to me about this movie was while I was scared, right, like mm-hmm. for 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 the characters in it and stuff like that there was really only like one moment in this movie where I didn't, I didn't scream. I didn't jump. There was a moment in this movie that genuinely stopped my heart. I'm pretty sure. Um, and, and you know, as, as, as we get the same in, one that stopped mine. Yeah. Like, and as we get into it, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, but like, but the whole movie, like much in the way that hereditary left you uncomfortable because you were just always dreading what was going to happen next and where it was going. Mm-hmm. This did a miraculous job of leaving you uncomfortable for a whole different set of things. Um, my favorite thing about this movie was how often they were speaking Swedish and the subtitles didn't tell us what they were saying, mm-hmm. leaving us as the audience to feel as isolated as the American students Damn. traveling around Sweden. That I thought was an incredible uh, decision to do. So, yeah, I mean, I I liked this a lot. I it. I sat with it for quite a while last night after I finished it and um, and just just kind of replayed certain things in my head and tried to get from point A to point B. Like, how did we get here? You, you find yourself yeah. in that situation a lot in this movie. So I, I man, I dug it. I dug it. I thought, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to rating it and everything. But it was good. It was good. I'm, I'm glad you felt this way uh, because the. The last movie that I picked was Blood Rage. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm on my way, you know, on that, you know, uh, road of redemption right. there. Uh, so we, we've kind of talked a little bit about it. You you mentioned it, actually, uh, the, the story, yeah. right? Um, I really don't think that there is much in the way of surprise in this movie like we you know almost right away where this movie is heading yeah like and i will say that for as much as i say like you don't know where it's going like you do kind of look at it and you go okay so this you know obviously this is going to go poorly right like you're you're never surprised by any of the events that uh that befall our travelers right um, now how that story plays out, right. In, in its own, uh, in Ari Aster's particular idiom, like that is shocking. Yes. But, but the story itself, you kind of know where this is going. It's a, it's a group of, of American, uh, young people, right. And they are going to visit, uh, one of their Swedish friends, uh, tiny little, you know, commune villages for us. Uh, Com- uh, commune's a nice word. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the way they, <laughs> yeah. They oh, I know. I know. Beginning. You know, so, um, 
for an event that happens once every every 90 years yeah you know so you kind of know right away like eh, something's off you right. know that's a trap as admiral uh admiral akbar would say you know so you know what's going to happen you don't know who's going to die you don't know in what order they're going to right. die but you know that there are going to be lots of um lots of deaths here and that is precisely what you get um what did you feel the story itself but also the hidden messages and uh images and and symbols uh what did that add to the viewing experience for you well before i get into the story and uh, the hidden messages one thing that was that, that was just in your face about watching this movie and the story is the fact that uh the guy who played um christian uh jack mm -hmm. rayner mm -hmm. Did this dude get into Hollywood because he looked like Seth Rogen's cute younger brother or right? Yes. Like, I mean, there and, and when I say looks like, I mean, like, yeah, you look at him, you're like, no, that's not Seth Rogen, but you catch a profile and you're like, that could be Seth Rogen. Right. And he makes certain <laughs> faces and stuff, and it's like, maybe it is Seth Rogen. Um, <laughs> that was that was so weird to me the whole time. So, anyway, back to the actual story. So the narrative here is and and Ari Aster said this himself this is a movie about you know breaking up is hard to do right right so so what we get here out of this story is a very twisted way of ending a really toxic relationship um and if this is how Ari Aster approaches breakups, I'm so sorry to anybody that has been involved <laughs> in his life romantically or as a friend. Again, like I said last week, man, this is this movie and this story and the way things play out, it makes you wonder how the guy's mind works. And not and, and not in a way that I'm making fun of. It's just like this is not this is just not a sequence of events I would have put together. Right. Um, but the the actual story itself is so amazingly loaded with foreshadowing um mm -hmm. with uh like from the very first scene when the first time that they do that they do the shrooms and she drinks the mushroom tea and they're all sitting around the tree right and we get that one little rant from the guy who's the very short-lived um uh comic re comic relief that's located in this movie you uh, you immediately know it's like wow not only are they going to be tripping but i'm along for this ride like this right. is I'm now I'm on this, 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 you know, like this physical trip and this mental trip of the fact that apparently shrooms, you know, we just do shrooms. So cool. Right. Um, And so that that left the movie with this whole like left head lean. Right. The whole time you're watching it because you're you're always kind of looking for something else or, you know, like that moment of like. Is it playing out exactly like I'm seeing, you know, or are they envisioning different things? And I mean, there are times when they're very in your face. It's like, no, this happened. These old people jumped off a cliff. That right. woman's face exploded. Um, but, the, you know, then there are other times. The one moment in the entire movie that, that I think I think it's the only genuine jump scare during their first the first time they're they're tripping on shrooms they're sitting around this tree danny freaks out because somebody says family and mm -hmm. um at the beginning of this movie her sister kills her parents and herself so she's going through a lot 
And um, somebody says family. She's tripping. She starts to come apart. She runs to this outhouse, I think is what it was, or a shed or something. I think it's an outhouse. But I think it's an outhouse. And she lights a match so she can see herself in the mirror. And there is just an image of a person behind her with duct tape over their mouth. I guess maybe like her sister who had duct taped the tube to her mouth when she committed suicide. Last week, uh, I felt very confident in saying that Hereditary is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I still stand by that. But God damn it. I don't know if I've ever been that scared. And I think it's because I was so on edge because of all the trippy stuff that was happening since we were experiencing this this um, this mushroom trip with them. But I mean, like, and I think I texted you afterwards and I was like, I'm pretty sure my heart just stopped. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, I didn't scream. I didn't jump. It was just, I was sitting there and it happened. And I didn't move. And all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm alive still. Um, there was the hidden images. I, I'm not going to lie and say I, that I caught a ton of them um, the first time through. One that I did definitely notice, there's a moment where there's a literal face, like in the trees, as That's they're like brilliant dragging one. her. Uh, it's just gorgeous. But the story itself, you're right. For as much as I said, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I did see, you know, like that first time you hear about the May Queen, it's like, ah, she's going to end up over there. She, she's going to be the May Queen. Yeah, yeah the, you know, like the, 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 the way Pele is talking to her at uh, in, in their apartment before they even leave. It, it's pretty clear that he sees something in her. Some, yeah. Something special, you know, um, and and this is, um, you know, in, in his eyes, you know, that that way of getting out of sacrificing himself right yeah and i mean it's just like uh and so you're right like while you can see the roadmap of where a and b are the 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 twists and turns of of how it's going to happen um were were great there were some you know the the dialogue in this movie was remarkably light like Mm -hmm. uh you know we got we got the conversation between danny and christian a lot we got josh and christian kind of going at each other we got these real surface level explanations of what was going to be happening um which i thought added to the movie like i said because again we never knew any more than the protagonist did and that was great that left you in a position to be even more scared Uh, of everything that was going on. So I think that there was an interesting story here with an ending that I absolutely did not see coming until, like I said, right before it happened. Right. Um, There's, there's this, I, you know, there's this, there's this empowering storyline behind Danny um, and, and everything that she goes through. But my, my favorite thing about the story of this movie is without a doubt the growth of not necessarily Danny, because I think that what we see by the end of the movie is the very beginning of Danny's growth. Mm-hmm. But this movie illustrates this amazing idea of um, uh, Pele says at one point, have you ever felt held up? Right. Have you ever felt swept up? Does, does Christian make you feel held up mm-hmm. when this movie starts? Danny gets an email from her sister um, everything's dark. This is it. Mom and dad are coming with me. And she calls her boyfriend Christian and he's like, you fuck this. Your sister's bipolar. She's looking for attention, blah, 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 blah. And she, and she immediately, you know, and, recoils. And he, he puts it back on her. He was yes. like, you let her do this yes. to you. 
And she and she immediately recoils. You're right. You're right. And she's calling her friend crying. What if I scared him off? This is all my fault. Blah, 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 blah. And so we get this situation where not only is she not held up, like Pele says, but she's very much knocked down just mm-hmm. constantly. And so what and I mean, to the point that she's mocked for caring about her sister by her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. By the end of this movie, Danny is placed firmly within a community that not only holds her up, but quite physically and emotionally feels every bit of pain that she goes through. It's it's beautiful and terrifying. Yes. The, the, a reoccurring theme in this movie is that when somebody in this community is feeling something extreme, whether it be ecstasy or agony, the entire community feels it. When that old man jumps off the cliff and his legs break and he doesn't die, they're all wailing. With him until he's put out of his misery. When Danny finds out that Christian cheated on him and she's coming apart, those women aren't just like soothing her. They're screaming in emotional agony with her. And then the ecstasy part, when Christian is, when Christian is having sex with that girl, all of those women are they're there for it. Like they're not just emotional support. Like they're up, they're feeling it. Yeah. And so the, 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 the story here for me, that's best is this idea that there's a community out there for you. The way you get there, the way you get there may be weird. And they may, they may be a really fucked up kind of death cult, but you know, there's somebody out there for everybody. Right. And if, if what you need is somebody to, to hold you up and experience these things with you, they're out there. You just got to find them. Uh, you know, that's, that's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad thing to take away. Uh, it's, it's definitely a, um, like a Monty Python, you know, always yeah. look on the bright side of life. Exactly. <laughs> um, for me, I think the, um, the really interesting thing about this movie is not, not so much the, the main story, uh, cause uh, as, as you mentioned, this, this is really a breakup movie. Right. And, uh, you know, a, a blind person could see that. Right. Uh, Ari Aster has said this, you know, he wrote this after a bad breakup. So so this is this is almost like catharsis for him. Right. Um, there's there's really not much there between Danny and and Christian. Right. Um, you know, to, to the point that, you know, uh, they barely communicate throughout the movie when they do it's very stilted mm-hmm. it's it's very well done yes um like it's well acted it's well written uh but it is written that way you know for this to be uh, a dying relationship that um neither of them wants to end and um well he wants to end he just doesn't have the balls to do it and then when her family dies he feels trapped because, I mean, he'd obviously been very vocal with his friends about wanting to end it. I mean, they, you know, they're talking like, just, just do it. Has, he's has obvious- he though, or, or do they, do they have like a little bit of insight there? That is can, true. And they can tell like, dude, you don't like being around this girl. And he's obviously complained because they're like, you could find a girl who likes sex. So it's obviously right. something that he's complained to his buddies about, but you're right. Maybe yeah. he never did full on, you know, cause he's like, well, what if I want her back? Exactly. You know, I do it and I want her back. So you're right. Maybe maybe he didn't just straight up want to. And that aspect of Christian is one of the things that I find most interesting. Um, every character 
from that that group of of american tourists as they were right um very clearly has an identity yes. you know um because uh shit what were their names mark josh mark josh yeah so Mar mark is a jokester yeah right and and he doesn't really care about much he just he, he wants to make sure that he's having a good time right right yeah. and uh and he is thinking more with with his dick than than with anything else right um josh is so wound up in his uh academic work that pretty much nothing else matters to him right right um danny it's established is um is a psychology undergraduate student Yes, and um, that helps explain why. Number one, knowing that her sister is um, bipolar helps us understand why she would go into that. Yes. Right? She clearly loves her sister very much, and to my eyes, this is her way of trying to help her sister and help people like her sister. Yeah, and. and we know that she has um, some pretty heavy anxiety issues as well. Cause we see early in the movie that she's taking out of Right. Right. You know, so it, it clearly, this is something that is uh, it's familial, you know, it's hereditary as it were. And um, so often when you speak to, uh, to doctors or, you know, they'll tell you why well, I went into this because I had a family member who suffered, you know, X thing. And, I wanted to help people like right. them uh, because I was unable to help them. So um, she has this sort of way of trying to understand people's uh, emotional well-being, their psychological well-being. And this is the very thing that she ignores in herself. And she yeah. allows Christian to ignore in her, right? So when she gets to a group of people that not only are willing to have that done for them, but do that for others. And an outsider like her, that's such a beautiful thing, right? right? And of course it's horrifying because these are not good people. Correct. Right, they they are killers, they are murderers. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying all at once. Like be, be afraid of, of those that, that give you what you want, right? They give you what you need. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's kind of sad and depressing at the same time, uh, as, as, as it is like uplifting that she has found her people because it's like, this is who you found, right? right? This is who gave you your stuff. This group of psychopathic murderers is still better than Christian. Yeah. Right? yeah that's a good point. Um, and the, the thing about Christian, which I didn't pick up on either of the two time, two times that I saw before. He is the only character that wears a watch. Oh, I, I didn't pick. I mean, yeah, I think on it now. And he was the one who knew it was 9 p.m. When, uh, when, no, he, when, he freaked, when Mark freaked out. No other character wears a watch. And in fact, I don't think you see a clock the entire right. time. Uh, so watches, obviously, they keep track of time, right? Um, the only thing that Christian does his entire life is waste time. Yeah, he's he's keeping track of something that he does absolutely nothing, which with which is 
what he does throughout the entire movie. You know, he 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 throws away the relationship he has with Danny. He doesn't even know that two weeks before it was their four year anniversary. Right. Well, you know, I'll tell you one other thing that he keeps track of is um, and this this was even more um, apparent after watching those deleted scenes. He is a one of the things that's so toxic about their relationship is he's a quid pro quo boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like he he very much keeps track of like everything that he does for her and that she does for him because in one of yeah, tit for tat. There, yeah, like in one of those deleted scenes, like he like turns somehow tries to turn it into a bad thing that she picked these flowers for him. And yeah, and so it's like so yeah, so you know again, just not keeping track of things that matter. She's she's so concerned with losing the last um, like vestige of her former life, right? That she doesn't see what is very clearly projection. That's like one of the very first things that I imagine you have to learn in in psychology. That's like psychology one hundred and one. You know, he's clearly projecting his insecurity on her. He's like, oh, way to make me feel, you know, yeah. like shit. Like I didn't get you anything for your birthday. It's like she didn't fucking mention that at all. Yeah. You know, she, in fact, she hasn't mentioned the birthday thing at all. Now, of course, this is Pele putting that idea yes. in, right. in his mind, you know. Um, and 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 we 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 see that at the end that maybe that was part of what Pele had intended, right? Uh, because after she's crowned May Queen. He gives her, uh, you know, quite a quite a kiss. Yes. Before before they put that crown on her. So so it's uh, it's very likely that all of this was like intentional from the very beginning. Uh, yeah. And and the fact that they choose their mates so deliberately, right? Um, because the the leader of the Horga tells. Uh, tells Christian that his astrological sign aligns with Maya's. Yes. Right. Uh, so maybe Pele had, and, and Pele knew her birthday. Yeah, he did. Know? That is true. So, so it's, it's very possible that, you know, knowing her birthday, he's like your astrological sign aligns with mine. And if you'll notice um, every single one of those people there uh, were white Aryan looking people. Right. Uh, that's got to be deliberate, you yeah. know. If if you are picking your mates, there is some sort of like uh, selective breeding happening here, right? In fact, we know or that there's selective, selective inbreeding, inbreeding because the there's selective be. inbreeding exactly. And the uh, the historical horga uh, is actually where the birth of the ubermensch happened. Oh yeah, um, I, I I was reading up on this and this this idea the Superman right that uh, that Hitler would take to to use for his idea of the Aryan race right the 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 greater right. race this um it, it was born there in in the in the historical Horga and uh, Astor spoke about how what he wanted to do was mix historical fact with fantasy with fiction and 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 blend this into something that made um no sense so that so that you never knew what was real what was not real and it created its own world kind of like the runes um yeah. the the runes are real but the way they're used is not 
Right. Um, and there, there, there's also a good mix of a lot. There's, there's Norse in there with some of the other stuff that, you know, some of those other ones that Josh recognized. Right. So I, there's, there's so much to this story, I think, you know, um, and, and there's, there's hidden images everywhere, you know, from the, from the, the girl with the crown who's kissing the bear. Yes. The painting in her room. Right. Um, in, in Danny's room when she's grieving. Right. Um, and now that you know that at the end of the movie, Christian ends up in, in a bear, right. Yes. Not um, a bear costume. By no, the way. no. If in an actual movie, bear. He's in an actual bear. Uh, is, is she kissing to say hello to the bear or is she kissing to say goodbye to the bear? Yes. Right. Uh, or is this a romantic kiss? Um, that is one of those like really telling foreshadowing images that Astor litters throughout this movie. I mean, this movie is, is just sloppy with, with that stuff. I mean, it opens up with, with a tapestry that tells you go. the whole story. It tells the whole story. The, yeah. the, 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 the biggest hidden image in the entire movie is shown to you with nothing else around it. It is shown to you at the very beginning of the movie. You're shown a tapestry. You're just like, Oh, cool. And then you realize that hidden it, it I mean, hidden in, because you didn't know what was going to happen. That tapestry tells the entire movie. So yeah. there, there are hidden images. Yeah. Like a face in the trees. And then there are hidden images that are just like, Hey, look at this. Doesn't mean anything now. See you in two and a half hours. Right. Right. Very much like, um, like the other tapestry that we see, uh, which becomes very, very important in Christian Maya's story. You know, the, the, the love story. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it, as, as much as the, the narrative is not important because you know where this story is going, it's also incredibly interesting, you know, uh, it, not to mention the fact that these are the worst anthropologists. That, just just um, awful. I mean, this is why the, the world hates Americans, all right? <laughs> yeah. Because we we'll, we'll go we'll go into your uh, into your historical towns and and we'll we'll pretend like we own the place. We'll piss on your ancestral trees, um, which by the way, that was one of those things. Everyone's death in here is is so um, it's so telling of of what 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 their transgression was right right uh because mark right um who i mentioned earlier like he thinks more with his dick than he does anything else right he pees on that ancestral tree you you actually it, it's one of the few subtitles that we get throughout the movie and the guy who's shouting at him is telling him um put that disgusting dick away yes says he peed he peed on on our people that's my uh, that, that's my people right when we see oh my god the image is so horrifying right when when josh has gone into the uh the building where they keep their sacred texts yes right um and then he sees who he thinks is mark walking towards him and realizes that it is not mark but it is a mark skin suit that someone yes. is wearing right um if you look closely there's blood that's all around his crotch but it's yep. not all around his crotch they clearly cut off his penis but not his testicles i did not notice that yeah, in that it, detail it, i was like okay that dude got his dick cut off but i i, I paused 
I paused because I was like, is there blood all the way around? There was no blood on the bottom. It was on the sides and on the top. And I'm like, holy fuck. They chopped off his dick and left his balls. Like, because the transgression was not with his balls. With his balls. You know, okay. it's it, it's the, it's that sort of thing. And then, and then uh, you know, Josh as well. You know, his, you know, a- anthropology is, is the study of civilization. Right. You know, it's it's the study of of mankind, right? In relation to society, right? Um, the furthest thing that you can get from that is probably agriculture, right? And that's where he's found. He's yeah. found he's found dead, not with his not buried the way we would bury people usually, but with his head down. Yes, you know, because his feet are up. Right. You know, showing that like this thing that you value so much, your knowledge. It's uh, it is the the last thing that that we're we're going to allow to to see the light. Yeah. Um, that. Yeah, that's you know, and it's what's what's interesting about the story when you're looking at the 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 deaths are the fact that it's like if you if you if you if you put, you know, this much effort into it you can see a justification from the commune's um, perspective for mm-hmm. killing um, Josh and, and, and Mark, right? Like there, you don't, it's like, okay, yeah, no, like these, these guys kind of got what they had come. And yes, it's, you know, it's commune justice, which is, uh, <laughs> which is apparently extreme. But then on the other side of that, man, you got Connie and Simon who didn't want shit they, but to leave. They didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. They just wanted to go. They just didn't want a part of it. And and they weren't going to give them that. And that really shows the 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 psychopathic nature of of what they're going to do for mm-hmm. their commune. You know, like I said, it it's one thing to kill someone because they were f- photographing your sacred text, which you told them not to do. Okay. Right. Is it extreme? Yeah. But did he kind of bring it on himself? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, you pissed on the ancestral tree, right? That's, that's gonna, that's gonna upset a lot of people. You know, is it extreme to kill him? Cut off his dick and not his balls, wear his face as a suit. Yeah. Yeah. It's extreme. <laughs> um, but you know, and kind of see where it comes from. But then it's like, then you just see Connie's body where she's obviously been drowned. Yeah. And and you're like, man, and Simon's body being flayed from the back alive because he's still alive when we find him. Did you did you see where that is an actual method of torture with a name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called a blood eagle. Yeah. And you lay someone down, remove the ribs from the back and splay their lungs while they're still alive so that the lungs keep going. So and I kind of had this moment where. Maybe he's still alive or, you know, Christian was still tripping pretty hard. And a right. lot of things were kind of pulsing, you know, when right. uh, Pele says that even the trees and the flowers breathe when she's wearing the May Queen crown, there's mm-hmm. a couple of those flowers that are up. Yeah. So maybe he was still alive. Maybe he was still tripping. But yes, again, that that bl- blood eagle uh, method of execution is just just brutal. Yeah. That um, I mean, and and really, so much of this movie can be boiled down to the word brutality. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and and as we as we as we're talking, you know, like we 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 spent last week talking about how brutal some of these scenes were, and and now we're looking at you know the brutality found within Midsommar. One of the other things that uh, that carries over is the idea of 
real occult beliefs being figured into this movie. So when you're looking at the Horga and how they deal with the occult in this movie, how do you feel one, it adds to the movie or two, how does it stack up against the way they used it uh, last week in hereditary? Uh, well, there, there was a lot of research that went into this as well. Um, and uh, in fact, the, the people who first reached out to Aster um, to, to make this movie, what they wanted was a slasher. And okay. he said he had no interest in making a slasher. Um, but they wanted it set in Sweden. And um, he was like, well, I do have this other idea. And maybe we can kind of merge those two things together. And that's kind of what they did. Um, so, like, uh, for example, like, the, the Horga is a real town. Um, you know, I, I talked about, you know, the Ubermensch um, idea originating from there. Uh, the May Queen dance that they do and the story that's told about, uh, you know, the devil playing the fiddle. Yes. Until, uh, you know, you, you, you dance to your dead sort of thing. That is an actual uh, story. You know, it, yes. it's folklore that originates from uh, from Horga, right? Uh, that that style of art that they use is traditional Horgan art. Um, the the uh, how is it that they pronounced it? Um, a testupa. Oh yes, the 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 suicide ritual. The suicide, yeah. So that is one of those things that there's a lot of historical evidence that points to it having actually happened, but there's no evidence that we can find that it did in fact happen. So there's a, there's a lot of allusions to it. And can we take a second to point out that um, on the on the Mount Rushmore of dick moves. Um, in horror movies, not telling your friends that they're about to witness a suicide ritual when you're pretty sure that's what's happening has got to be in the conversation because Josh, Josh, Josh was knew. not in the dark about what an Ashtupa ritual was. Mm -hmm. And all he did was snicker and go to sleep. And they, like, cause I mean, he sees, he's like, Oh, are those the ones? Yeah. Oh, you guys. Mm -hmm. no, and you know, and it's like, knew. yeah, it's like, dude, like that's, that's a dick move like give somebody yeah. a heads up well and i i kind of understand him not telling christian because right. from his point of view right you and i and he says this you and i are studying the same thing and we're both doing academia right in hard quotes right um but we're not doing it in the same way that's what he tells him right there's no reason why Christian, as an anthropology PhD student, shouldn't know about this. Right. Especially if this is something that he, uh, this is where he's been considering doing his thesis on. Right. So um, it makes sense that Josh would know. Right. But there's no reason why Danny would know. And you would think that Josh would tell her. But of course, we know that Josh doesn't really care for her. Josh sees her as the hurdle, the obstacle that's in front of Christian getting yes. his thesis done in the same way that Mark sees her as the obstacle in the way of 
of of Christian, uh, you know, getting his groove on. Right. Right. Everyone sees her as the obstacle in Christian's way, where really what the obstacle in Christian's way is, is Christian. Yes. So, um, yeah, that um, that Atastupa. Yeah, man. It's 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 supposedly a real thing. Uh, because there are like these these really high uh, precipices near uh, communities, and and it was written in a book somewhere. Um, yeah, it says historian Anders Frickswell's "The History of Sweden," which was translated to English in 1844, uh, described the practice. He says, close by this farm, there was a very high perpendicular rock such that it was certain whoever should cast himself from the top would never reach the bottom alive. You make the, you make it to the bottom alive, just not alive for long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's that, yeah. Uh, that Owen Hart thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what's – so when, when, I, when I brought this up, you know, we, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the occult references um, mm-hmm. found in Hereditary. What's interesting about Midsommar is when you get to the actual connotation of occult, it's the unseen. Mm-hmm. And this movie, while what they do definitely are pagan rituals, um, occult is almost not even the right word. Because yeah. all of this is done in the open. It is spoken about. It is it is just part of their culture and who they are. It's, it's not anything they ever try to hide. They're not even trying to hide it from people who are brand new to the community. Like they, not once did they ever try to turn these outsiders away. We later find out it's because they need them for, you know, sacrifices and breeding and things mm-hmm. like that. But not once did they ever try to turn them away and keep these things hidden. When they first meet, uh, I believe his name was Father Odd. Yeah, um, so. when, when they first meet him, he hugs Danny, kisses her on the cheek and says, welcome home. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say welcome to our community. He doesn't say it's nice to meet you. He says, welcome home. They're immediately brought into this family. Like you're here for this, then you're one of us. And so while while there's while there's definitely this overarching idea of this, uh, you know, it's like a polytheistic, like pay, like old, old school, like Nordic pagan mm-hmm. ideology. None of it is done. Um, and none of it is left unseen. I mean, even the, the breeding, it's like, Hey, this is like all of the elder women, like they're going to watch and make sure it right. happens. You know, everyone's going to sit down and watch y'all dance. So there's only one person left standing. We're all going to gather and watch the, watch the, 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 the cliff diving suicides. We're all going to watch the sacrifices in the burning temple. It's yeah, nothing is in the shadows, right? Which is, and which is so, so bizarre right because so often when we when we picture these things when you when you read about these things it's always that idea of it's dark these are the dark arts this is black magic and, and there was there was some sort of leader who was misleading yes the people and this was very much the opposite of that even though it is dark from the aspect of 
It's, you know, not good. It's, it's none of it is ever hidden. And that, that whole idea, you know, early in the movie when they're tripping and he's like, it's, it's 9 PM. And Mark's like, why is the sky blue? How can it be 9 PM? And we just immediately get this one line. It's like, ah, it's midnight sun, you know, welcome, welcome to midsummer in Sweden. This is how we right. do it. And uh, I, I love I, Mark is single-handedly my favorite character. In this yeah. Movie. Mark, Mark um, is pretty great. I, I love, I love that scene because right after that, he says, I'm going to lay down guys. He's already laying down, yes. right? uh, but he's just going to put his head down. Right. And then he's like, this feels really good. You guys need to lay down. Yes. And then, and then he sits and then he up and gets on Josh. Josh, Josh <laughs> lay down, please. Yeah, please, please lay down. He's like, no, no new people, no new people. Cause the guy's just like walking by. But uh, so while, while we're, while there's, there's very much, this this idea of you know like i said the runes and the love spell put on the you know on the rune that they put they put a rune underneath the baby's pillow to try to keep it from crying she puts one underneath christian's bed to try to make him fall in love with uh maya um there there's this there's this magic to it but it's yeah you're right there's there's a leader who's like hey guess what this is how we do it but here's why here's how we look at it this isn't dark this is our life. This is we do this in the summer because that we want a light shown upon this. Whereas a week ago, it was all about, you know, close the doors, turn off all the lights and let's let's do the seance in the dark because that's where these things happen. These right. things happen where you don't really know what's going on. This what this movie was very much the other side of the coin on that, where it's like you're never going to be in the dark. Guess what? We want you to impregnate Maya. You're great for it. We're telling right. you right now. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. We're not going to. Are we going to trick and you're, you and into you're it? Not, and you're not going to marry her. There's no strings attached. Right. right? Yeah. It's like, and are we going to marry her? Because we're going to fucking yeah. burn you alive. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to marry her. Yeah. We're, you know, we're going to get you high. And, uh, you know, but we're still going to leave the, you know. When it, when it comes down to it, that choice was still left up to Christian. You know, whether or not they would have just killed him if he didn't do it you know, notwithstanding, mm -hmm. he got up off that bench and walked over there. He stripped down and put on the robe. Like it was yeah. still left up to him. Um, there, you know, there was the, there was the idea of this love spell um, uh, from the, from the, the pictures that they told um, at the beginning, which when the first time they scrolled over that like tapestry with the pictures, I'm watching this. I'm watching this, and I look over, and I was like, "So she put her pubes in his food and uh, <laughs> menstruated in his coffee, and now he's in love." And then, and then later on, it's like you see but her making him a meat. Tart. Is that is that not what happened to you? I'm pretty sure that's what happened to me. Yeah, all dude, uh, women are all I, magic, right? I I, I definitely put my pubes <laughs> in uh, in my wife's food. All right, and and I menstruated in her coffee. You know, I mean, Miami, right? Uh, so, and so, so then later on, she makes him this tart and I'm like, ooh, mm, that man's about to eat a pube. And so while I'm sitting there waiting for me to pube, which he does, <laughs> you have this moment of realization where you get a view all the way down the table and everybody's drinking the same juice. Theirs is all yellow and his is a deep orange. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so we're we're all in, we're all in on this yep. ritual. <laughs> that that is his period juice, right. my friend. But again, in the in in the broad daylight, 
It, you know, like I didn't serve, I, she didn't sneak it. I guess she snuck it into his food. I don't know. The, like yeah. the lady's cooking maybe noticed, but like it, it, it wasn't like she didn't serve it to him in secret. It's like, e- he- even, even so they have Danny cooking that meal with them, you yeah, know? Very so, true. so it, everything is done. Yeah. I guess, you know, in, in a sense. Yeah. You know, in, in the light, you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing that's totally uh, in, in the dark there. Yeah, and I mean, like the you know, like she's kind of secretly, secretively put that rune under his bed, but Josh saw it, and then it wasn't like it wasn't like there was a big to do. Pele was like, "My sister likes you, and that's okay because she has her work." By the way, with the subtitles on, word that has a lot of X's and Y's in it. Right, It, it means she's allowed to have sex now, and then, and then, and then, in what was possibly one of the funniest things I've ever heard in a horror film, he referred to it as getting her pants licensed. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh boy. So it was just, it was, it was so, it was, it was so crazy to, to not have to like, for, to not have, you know, like, yes, there was research to be done and you could find out about this stuff, but it was like, there, it was like, as you research stuff, it wasn't anything where you researched it and it was like, oh, they didn't let me know that. When you did the research for this movie, it was basically, oh, I noticed that, but I didn't put it together in that yeah. way. Because and, usually it was kind of just either, you know, referenced or it was changed. You know, um, Aster said that he really wanted to take care not to offend anyone's culture or belief or anything like that. So even though some of this is is rooted in like tradition and and history, it's ultimately it's fantasy horror. So know? what you're saying it's, is Ari Aster is a better anthropologist than the kids in this movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if, if he's shown us anything, it's that, I mean, probably second only to Indiana Jones. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, there, there, there's definitely a deep rooted respect in the things that he puts into these movies. Like, like, like oh, yeah. whether, you know, whether or not he, you know, believes in certain things or what he believes or doesn't believe in there, there is a very healthy respect for everything that he's presented. And even when those things are presented in a way that we perceive as evil, um, through both of these movies, it's very much presented in just a factual way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is, you know, take what you will from it but this is how it is mm-hmm. yeah and and that kind of leads us into the uh the next topic i want to talk about which is um aster as writer director in in this regard we talked about his uh like the technical aspect of hereditary and i i think this movie deserves it as well yeah. right uh, just about every director whenever they come off of making that first movie, they come back to the next one and they've taken everything they've learned from it and one up, you know, um, do, how does this compare on a technical level to hereditary? So there, uh, from a from a shooting from a film perspective this movie is i mean it's it's breathtakingly gorgeous mm-hmm. um and what did he learn he you know it's it's almost 
it's almost like he dared himself to make the opposite movie. And he's like, I've shown you why you should be scared of the dark. Now I'm going to show you why there's plenty to be scared of in the light. Um, that, that while so much of what happened that was terrifying in hereditary happened at night. And that's, that's a, that's a primal thing to be scared of what you, of, uh, of what you, when you can't see to be scared mm -hmm. at night, this movie was, this movie was like his chance to be like, Hey, you're not safe in the day either. Um, it's so much so that I'm going to put this movie in a place where it's always day and let you know that you're never safe. Right. Um, he did a lot of really, a lot of really, really great things. Um, what was, what was interesting to me were a couple of, uh, uh, almost like, like what, I mean, it's only two movies in, but so I guess it's safe to call them Hallmark kind of, uh, moments. Sure. Um, it, it like, I mean, so you start off and by, you know, not too far into the movie, you get this really shocking death in a family that you that you're now made aware of the fact that the family members or family member in this case it's still alive is deeply traumatized mm -hmm. and so not only do they just allude to it we get a very graphic depiction of this tragic um event but another thing that happens with this movie is there is a very stark turning point and it is almost at exactly halfway through the movie. When we did Hereditary last week, I talked about how I, I, uh, it was, it was halfway through the movie before the first confirmed supernatural thing happens with mm -hmm. the seance. When that lady went full send off the cliff, yeah, <laughs> halfway through the movie, yeah. almost, almost to the number. If you were watching the theatrical cut, the theatrical cuts two and a half hours long. That was an hour twelve in that this that this woman swan dives off this cliff. So Sail. almost. <laughs> so i mean almost to the minute halfway point all right buckle up because here we go right like i've built i've built my world i gave you half of this movie to build my world and now you just have to live in it and so you know so he took that and he and he did it again a couple of things that he did with this one that were that were incredible um that that were that also added to the story the use of mirrors in this movie yes there is constantly something happening in a mirror and usually when a mirror is involved it is something awful um at the beginning we the first shot that we see of danny's parents when that we uh, learn that they're dead we see their reflection in like like a dresser mirror. Mm -hmm. um, when we are seeing the first of many, or I guess the second, if, if the first, the phone call will be the first toxic exchange. But when we're seeing the moment where he's trying to pretend like he just decided to go to Sweden, we're watching her have a conversation with him. The camera's on her, and he's in a mirror. Yeah. Um, when she goes to his dorm room and she's addressing his his roommates and he's just all his friends. And he's like, Hey, also I told her it's y'all's idea. So you have to play into this camera on them. She's in the mirror. I mentioned the, the scary face in the mirror. Um, it, it's, it's a reoccurring theme that in a movie, that's all about Danny's, you know, inner it, it's inward reflection, looking at herself and, and trying to decide who she is. So that was an amazing, um, an amazing, uh, idea and just and just way to go with it 
But my favorite thing, my favorite shot in this movie is when they're going down that road in Sweden and they're like, it's going to be four hours. And we get this really cool like drone shot that flies over the car and rolls over and everything's yeah. upside down. And we watch them drive into this town that we're about to learn is very backwards from anything that they're used to living. And we watch them drive in where up is literally down. Yeah. And that shot, like, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's not done subtly. Like you would, you would have to be pretty new to movies to not understand that that is the beginning of everything changing. You know, it's, it's so weird because I don't feel like Aster is a subtle filmmaker. I feel like he lays all the cards out on the table for you and, and he uses the camera he uses uh images within the frame he does everything in his power to let you know exactly what you're supposed to feel he's not um like nolan christopher nolan is one of these guys that often likes to leave the the film up to interpretation for right. you and astro's not like that and yet there's more confusion about his films because of how brilliant they are. Yes. Because, because even though there is very little subtlety to it, he doesn't spoon feed you anything. There we go. Again, a movie that's light on exposition. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, he just, he does. I think that when, when you, especially watching these just within a week of each other like this, yeah, there are things you see where it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that worked. Do it again. It still works. But you, <laughs> you do, you do see that, that type of thing where you're like, man, this guy, like he, he knows, he knows what he wants to do when he makes a movie and, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, 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 you know, we just keep throwing out all these names. And last week we said that maybe hereditary wasn't on the Kubrick level of doing a hundred takes, but I definitely think he's on a Kubrick level of everything means something. I'm just going to tell you what it means. And then if you want to disagree or argue or say it means something else, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, what it means in this context and then you can go with it as you will yeah i i i gotta agree i i think that that you you hit the nail on the head there with him um this i think works as the perfect companion piece to hereditary um you know uh, they are two sides of the same coin like you said one uh, one kind of examines the darkness and the other examines the light. Um, they're both about grief, yes. you know, because Danny is overcoming her grief the entire time. Uh, whereas hereditary was about grieving over, um, you know, a, a toxic mother and um, a daughter whom you loved, but maybe never showed her. Uh, that you loved her. Danny's grieving over parents and a sister that she loved. But she's also, throughout the entire movie, there's no breakup. There is never a breakup. Correct. But, but she is grieving the loss of Christian from frame one. Yes. She knows that it's going to happen. Right? She says as much to her friend. She says, mm -hmm. I know it's going to happen. You know, the, the way that he just 
sat there on the phone, I knew it. So uh, she knows it's going to happen. That that conversation that they have act after the um, uh, the tableau at the river, that is that's one of those that you know to to me it it's it's so telling of who she is. You know, she is very much afraid to be alone. Yeah, because she is she doesn't want to grieve again. If she can have Christian in her life in any capacity, it's better than being without him because then she doesn't have to miss him. Right. And and so um, so when we do get that scene at the end where she does choose Christian to be the one to go into the temple and we see her face go from from horror and disgust and we do see her participating in in that shared emotion right yes where she is kind of writhing around in 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 that agony right i don't think that that's her agonizing over having just made that decision i think that that's her accepting this let me let me share with this pain that yeah. they are that, that that they've shown me now right um and aster sets that up beautifully he's he's a he's a He's a master of foreshadowing, right? Because that's my favorite scene in the film is immediately after she's discovered that he's uh, that he's having sex with Maya. Um, you know, the the girls take her into into the the house, into the big house, and they grieve with her, right? Yes. And there's it's it's very awkward at first because she's she's crying, right? And she's screaming, and the girls are kind of like awkwardly chaotically trying to calm her down but also starting to feel her pain right they're tapping into it and then she starts to calm down but then as she's like breathing they're breathing with her and then there's this sort of like acclimating to each other's level and then once that happens and they start screaming at the same time it's so terrifying yes because like that's the moment that she's really in that's yeah. the moment that they've got her it wasn't the may queen scene it was right there but also it's it's showing us that she's got a family right and the way that pele's been saying my family my family he tells her uh you know one of the earliest scenes he goes i lost my parents in a fire which we have to assume is this fire. Right. We have to assume that his parents are are the ones who volunteered when he was a child, right? Two par- like you get two volunteers from the thing. Yeah. The the assumption that I made, but once I saw what was going on, it's like, oh yeah, man, his parents volunteered to go into this, knowing that he'd just be raised by these people and it was okay. Yeah, you know, and, and so the fact that he continues to to call these people, you know, father, mother, sister, brother, um, it, we never know who is who. Right. In 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 Horga. So uh, that is beautiful the way that he sets that up. Well, and you know when you're when you're looking at this this idea of of grief and about like I said the growth of Danny trying to find somewhere where she belongs, and in that moment when when she when she is grieving with those women and they 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 just they start screaming and moaning and wailing together um, in agony and she it's like she finally learns that uh that lesson of that it's that it's okay to feel right like you know when she when she's scared and worried at the beginning christian's like this is dumb you're feeding into it this is dumb 
And then when she, uh, when she, when Mark calls them family and that word family kind of triggers her and sets her off and she starts having a bad trip, she's walking and she's saying to herself, stop it, fuck it, stop it. This is stupid. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Again, she's not allowing herself to feel these things. Whereas this community is all about feeling everything, feeling each other's pain, each other's ecstasy, sharing everything. Those constant, <gasps> Yeah. Right. Like that constant reminder that this, this air, this, this, what's between us, we share this and we, we, we embrace this. We love this. Everything that's between us is, is for all of us. She learns that lesson that, you know, you learn that you, you eventually learn that idea that you can do two things with the river, right? You can, you can swim against it and you can drown uh, you, or you can, you can swim with it. And, and you can, you can survive. Mm -hmm. And she learns that emotion and that pain is very much this idea of a river. And if you're swimming against it or you're damming it up, it's going to build and it's going to, it's going to break. It's going to snap. You're going to die. In that moment, she learns that it's okay to feel these things so much so that these women are willing to feel it for her mm -hmm. to make her know that it's okay to, to feel and to live with these things. And that is that, that idea that this is something there was, I, I went through a lot of phases, the final scene, the, the very last scene of this movie, after the, after the, the temples burned down, we just see Danny's face and we were just watching her kind of writhe. And like you said, you're, you're wondering, is she writhing? Cause she's feeling the pain of the fire. Is it just the emotional toll of the fact that she just sacrificed her boyfriend? But as that ends, we get this moment where it's, she smiles. Mm -hmm. And so you have that, you know, like I, I was, I was torn about that at first. Cause my initial thought was, okay, weird. Right. Like this is, this is all, this is like a Rosemary's baby last moment. Like it almost doesn't make sense for the character to suddenly switch so hardcore. Right. But then, but then when you look at it from the aspect of she's finally accepted this community so much that that pain she was in because she let it out and she writhed and she suffered with everybody that now that's out of her. And now she can share in this communal happiness in that air mm -hmm. that everyone's breathing, that this, this is done. And that now that this community can live on happily for another 90 years, she's, she's a part of that now she's, she's all in. And it's, it is honestly, it's the only moment in the entire movie where I think we see true happiness out of Danny when she's tripping mm -hmm. and doing the, the May queen dancing, she's laughing and smiling occasionally, but it's a lot of back and forth. She's very torn. She's, she's trying to figure it out. She sees Christian. He's not applauding. She's brought back down. Yeah. She's laughing. She's laughing and joking with everybody. And she's back there. There's, there's not a true she, happiness to and that. And she's still, she's clearly still grieving and uh, grief Listen, I, I I don't ever pretend to know what grief is. I've never lost anyone near or dear to me. Um, my I'm very lucky that at 34 years old, I have all four grandparents. Um, I have all my parents. Um, I've I've never experienced real loss, so I don't pretend to understand what grief is like. But my understanding from everything that I have been told from people who I am close with is that grief never goes away. Right. It's one of those things that stays with you forever, but you do learn how to manage it. 
And she's clearly not managing it while she's dancing the May Queen dance. Because immediately after she wins and becomes May Queen, she sees her her sister's face in in the uh, in the forest. Yes. And she sees her father, her mother, and her sister. In the audience, in the, congratulating in, in the horga, yeah. So uh, th- very clearly, she is not over it yet. She's not happy yet. She's not there. Yeah, and so that that moment, while it's it's you know there, there's a shock value to it. There's that great take home shot. There's there's an amazing amount of of closure and finality in that where. While yes, where she found her place may have been with this cult, she's found her place and she's mm-hmm. she's come to terms with everything that's happened in her life. And maybe as as crazy as it may be being there, maybe she's found her place and she actually can be happy now. I I think I think something else to consider is, you know, as commentary on you know, c- continued commentary on um the way americans do things is um we are not necessarily um mentally conscious here in the united states uh oftentimes our mental health takes a backseat to yes everything you know so um you know it, if if we could just find it within ourselves to not just take care of ourselves, but to make sure that the person next to you is taken care of. Right. Um, Maybe just maybe we can avoid having people run to these crazy cults to seek that stuff that they're missing and find it within ourselves, whether it be at home with mom and dad, whether it be, um, with your boyfriend whether it be with your group of friends right we need to be open and honest with each other and we need to be accepting of that and we need to help each other get through that pain right uh because i i know because i've i've been there that uh, when you have a friend who's gone through a breakup they're not the uh the most fun people to hang out with. Right. Right. You have to force yourself to say, Hey buddy, we're going to go out for a beer, get your pants on. I don't care if they're pajama pants, <laughs> we're going out and we're grabbing a beer. Okay? Right. And, and so you, you have to force yourself to do that, right? We need more of that so that we can avoid people finding that sort of validation with these crazies because <laughs> that's 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 what that's what they are yeah, you know? yeah. and, and it, it, it is sad that where she finds that validation is there you know but so often and i don't know if aster intended this at all uh but this is something i'm personally taking away from the movie i find that so often when people have that hole in their life they try to fill it with something that gives them a sense of meaning beyond themselves, right? They turn to religion, to spirituality, um, and and sometimes end up landing themselves in something that's pretty cult-like, even if it isn't a cult itself, 
right? And and it's um, it's sad because um, what could we have done to help that person out? to make sure that they didn't end up in something like this. And sometimes there's nothing you can do, but sometimes maybe just extending that hand and saying, Hey, let's go grab that beer. Right. Or two or six. Right. That that'll get us there. Well, and one other thing about this movie that to compare it to hereditary, we talked a lot last week about the idea of this movie plays that plays into that very Lovecraftian theme of you. You don't matter. You know, within within the the realm of everything, you don't. And while we were we were very much presented with that same idea in this as we as things played out, and we learned that yes, they were brought here, but they were brought here on purpose, and all of these people were used as chess pieces in in, in the 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 cult of the Horga, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are given one glimmer in that very last frame of if you you do matter if you find the right place to put yourself and by putting herself in that situation where she became so accepting of their culture that and and she became may queen then she did find a place where she mattered and you know and maybe it was just to them but you know that's light years beyond you know and i mean i guess we kind of got the same thing at the end of at the end of, I get to to a lesser extent at the end of Hereditary, except for that really didn't matter because that was a demon taking over. This is still her. And so, you know, now she does matter. Like, and like, and not just like, oh, she won the dance competition. She's our queen and that matters. It's like, no, you matter to us. Like you're one of us now. And so we are given, like I said, and it's, it's such a weird thing to take away from the movie, but you are given that glimmer of hope that in the right situation, you do matter. Yeah. So as, as we, as we wrap everything up here, we, uh, we went over some, we like to, we like to rate our movies. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we do like to remind you that we rate movies only against themselves. So we come up with a unique rating scale for each movie. We kicked around a few ideas and, uh, I do believe that Dave knocked this one out of the park. So out of a possible five pube pies, uh, <laughs> I thought I was, I, I was like, I'm going to say it without laughing. So out of a possible five pube pies, what do you give Midsommar, Dave? Um, I've been teetering back and forth on this one um, because uh, I, I initially thought, well, I'm going to go four and a half pies right um but after watching it again last night i was like man this is so fucking good and there's so much to it it's it's one of those movies where the the more i watch it the more um the more it makes sense um and i think unlike the shining uh because i i find that both hereditary and uh, and Midsommar, like The Shining, have this uh, this quality where you're always picking up on something else every time you watch it, right? There's always more questions about The Shining. Right. And ultimately what The Shining means is still, um, is still in question, right? And um, 
that's I mean that's that's beautiful, that's brilliant, but but there's there's that little bit of me that it's like fuck, like I still don't know. <laughs> right? right. And and that's and that's why I couldn't give the shining five, why I went four and a half. So with this movie, I think that I get this movie. And um and I think I got it the first time I watched it. But with every repeated viewing, I get it more. And I know that the next time that I watch it, whether I watch the theatrical cut or the director's cut, it really isn't going to matter. I am going to pick up on something else and it's going to help me understand the movie more, even though I already get it. And so for that and for everything that I've talked about, I think I have to give this a five and, and call Ari Aster um, so far the best director that we have reviewed on on shiver yeah i've been i've been back and forth with this a lot and whether or not i was you know like like where where i was gonna land on it you know i was the same way i was kind of teetering um this was only my first viewing so i do know that there are definitely things that i missed i do know that there's you know there's some there's some reading and some research to be done and so, whereas Hereditary benefited last week from the fact mm -hmm. that it was not my first viewing, I will say that that this movie and this the rating that I'm a the, the the rating that I would give it do suffer a little bit from the fact that it was my first time through, and I'm you know I'm sitting here with really just right at about 24 hours to kind of let it all settle in, mm -hmm. and so. From that aspect, while I do believe that if we were to like redux this movie in a couple of years and, and try to find something else, you know, about it, I may go up. I am going to sit at just four and a half. Um, and, I think that's and, fair. And, and, I, and I do think that there, you know, that, that it, it is possibly one that, that what, you know, if I were to watch it, you know, one or two more times, I would feel comfortable going up to that, that solid five. But 24 hours removed from watching the movie, there is still some confusion for me. Like, uh, you know, I would still, one thing for me is I would like, again, we, we talk about how he doesn't spoon feed you things, but I do kind of want to know what happened to Connie other than just, you know, like seeing her, her right. body in the wheelbarrow, you know? Um, well, and he does mention that, you know, even the, the director's cut, which is two hours and 50 minutes, um, that is not the whole movie. Right. When and, when he when he finished the the movie, it was four hours long. Whew. So there's there's another hour and ten minutes of this movie that has never been seen. And 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 in, in that might lie the answers to the questions I have that would give it that extra, that extra half. But I mean, I did. I, I loved it. I would highly recommend. I mean, I would recommend this movie to people uh, who who are like, you know, I I kind of like horror, you know, but, I you know, this this movie horror is almost not even the right word. Right. And I mean, we, yeah. we do. You know, it's in it's in it's under the horror umbrella, but it, it is almost more of like a, you know, a, a suspense thriller yeah. um, at times. And so, so I would recommend, I would recommend this movie to just about anybody if, if they were like, man, I just want to watch something that's, that's good. That's going to make me think that can be shocking. Like this is definitely that movie. 
Um, I think that I think that that what Florence Pugh and Seth Rogen's little brother, you know, I think that they did a great job. Uh, Cheedy from the Good Place was excellent. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 kid, uh, the, the kid, kid who from was, Meet the Millers, the he kid was, from Meet the Millers, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like all these all these other roles that you like know them from, you know, like they, <coughs> excuse me, they all did. They all did a fantastic job. I think that they all brought exactly um, what was expected from them um, to the screen. And so, yeah, I feel I feel comfortable putting this in at four and a half. But, man, I do not disagree with saying, like, this is this is one now. I'm just I'm just on the edge of my seat. Like, what else can Ari Aster do? Right. Like this. This yeah. guy is this guy's bulletproof. Um, and until he gives me a reason to doubt him, you know, I'm putting him in that category right now with Flanagan, where I just, I oh, have yeah. no reason to doubt that everything you put in front of me is going to be amazing. We, we need to so, do a Mike Flanagan movie. Yeah, we did. We, we did, um, uh, back before the, the, uh, the great break. Yes, as, uh, as I call it, of uh, of 2018 and 2019, we uh, we did um, the first season of uh, House Haunting. on Haunted Hill. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, or we did the Haunting ha of Hill House. We did the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, we did not do Bly Manor. Uh, we did not do Midnight Mass. Uh, clearly, that came out this year, right? Uh, but we Oculus haven't done. Is out uh, there. We haven't done Oculus, which I love. We haven't done um, Doctor Sleep. Uh, Gerald's game. We haven't done any of his um, his movies, and I think that might be one to visit yeah. because I I am a Mike Flanagan uh, fanboy. Yes, very much so. So so we're sitting at what? So we're at you know a solid four and three quarter stars. Four um, so, four four and three quarter pupies. Pupies, pupies. Yes. Um. So uh, you know, if, if you if you watch this without watching the movie, you know, I we're definitely going to tell you to go watch it. If you watch this and you've seen the movie, we hope you go watch it again. And that mm -hmm. you know the things we said, uh, you know, make you see something new in the movie. Um. And so as we continue forward with Shiver, we do know it is December, and we are going to get into the holiday spirit, Absolutely. as it may be. Um, with uh, with some upcoming movies, we are going to hopefully give the tense tense muscles in our entire body after these two movies from these two weeks of break. <laughs> and next week, we are going to tramps a little bit back over into that comedy horror. Also, Christmas, we're going to be doing Krampus next week. Yeah, which uh, also features Tony Collette. So yes, it does. So she'll, she'll be back. And so, um, you know, really looking forward to that. I actually have not seen Krampus all the way through. I think it was one that I started one night. Like, it was like a late night. Like, I'd probably, you know, been drinking and watching some movies. And I don't remember finishing Krampus. So I'm very excited to get out there and watch Krampus. Similarly, yeah, for me, it was one of those things where um, it was Christmas time. And it was streaming on one of these services. And uh, I, I was drinking and watching. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I just you know, knocked out after, you know, a whole day of work. Yeah, exactly. Don't remember how this movie ends. So, so, <laughs> so. we're, so, so we're going to get into the Christmas spirit. We're going to bring you Krampus. If you're unaware, you know, check out the movie. He's the other side of the Santa coin, right? So, <laughs> um, 
If you've enjoyed us, make sure you head over to geekbro.net where you can find not only back episodes of Shiver, but you can also find all of the other podcasts that are on the Geek Bro Network, including Mount Rush, uh, Mount Geekmore, excuse me. <laughs> Used were to be were Mount you Rush about Moore. to say Rushmore? I was about to say Rushmore. <laughs> Mount Geekmore with David and myself, as long as well as Neary and a cast of others as we get them. We've had Mike Mercadal on a lot and uh, some great guests recently from Missing Sock Network. Um, you yeah. can also check out What's Up Bro, Kick Flicks, The Dose of Ellie, Comedy Fitness, Crimacopia. If you like listening to podcasts, we've got something on this network that's going to appeal to you. And we cannot recommend enough that you head over to geekbro.net where you can find all of those. If you're looking for us specifically, all of our stuff is at ShiverPod. We're on Instagram. Uh, we got an email address. If you wanted to hit us there, and we're on Facebook. Absolutely. Um, so make sure you check us out on all of our social medias. Um, we are excited to get into some Christmas stuff coming up, and I think that'll just about do it. Just about. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much.